Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Trish, I've had a little idea for mm-hmm. what I'm going to do with you when mm-hmm. you uh, reach your next milestone birthday mm-hmm. everyone's it, a milestone but yes carry on <laughs> I've done a drawing I've oh done God. a drawing and I thought we might get you a little back tattoo oh. think about that <laughs> it really depends what the drawing is of I hope it's not Margot have you tried to do a fluffy cat no I've not drawn a giant oh, are you going to share with me tattoo or is it a surprise and you're going it's to get me surprise. drunk and make me have it yes yes mm. I took a friend of mine for a birthday lunch which went on for eight hours <laughs> Good form. Good Before form. her 50th birthday lunch, we took her to have an ear piercing, another mm. ear piercing. She's got the, the normal ones Gen X women would normally have. And I thought we would be quite old in the little ear piercing studio. Mm. No. No. Lots of women in midlife <gasps> waiting Good. to have their ears pierced. And then at the weekend, we were having another little chat with a friend of mine who's 48, who has done a design for a back tattoo that she's going to have when she's 50. Oh, excellent. And a floral situation. And she has no tattoos or piercings. She's a very normal lady, but she thinks that's how she wants to mark Okay. It's a bit of a way off, though. She's still got a year and a half to go. It's a trend, isn't it? She's uh, coming into the idea. I think it's brilliant. Go for it. My sister did one at uh, 54, so that was good. What is it? Eagle? It's actually a lotus flower because she's a yoga teacher and it's all about possibility oh, and, and all of this kind of thing. It's very nice, actually. Very all thoughtful. Women. Like How it. old do you think Judy Dench was when she had her first oh, tattoo? I didn't even know she had one. 81. Oh, good for her. Go, Judy. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Trish Halpin. And I'm Lorraine Candy, and we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife. We'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to HRT and your sex drive. Trish and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers, relationships, family, and as always, the challenges and joys of parenting teens. We wanted to start this episode by saying that, like all of you, we are feeling devastated by world events. And Lorraine and I have been talking about how best to address this in the podcast, because obviously our mission with Postcards from Life is to talk about the ups and downs of this life stage, the good, the bad, the challenges, the opportunities. But we always try to do it with a smile on our faces and a little laugh. So it it is a balancing act. Yes, we are all trying to think of ways of how we show our support for the people of Ukraine. And also it's worth pointing out that Trish and I don't record this show that near to when we go out. So things do change between us recording and us going out. So we're absolutely not ignoring what's going on in the world. We just might be a little bit out of time with it. But um, if you do want to show your support, and this is something we've done as a family, you can send money to the Disasters Emergency Committee, which the government has pledged to match. We also had some really lovely suggestions on our Facebook group. Laura suggested that with Mother's Day coming out, perhaps we could ask our families to donate to charities in our name. Um, She suggested Save the Children, which I thought was really nice. And we liked Ruth's suggestion about getting our families to buy us a gift from Choose Love. You buy a package in your name, such as daily survival kits, supporting unaccompanied children or safety for women. And then they can buy you a gift card so that you can pick where you want to contribute if anyone else has any other practical suggestions we would absolutely love to hear them and we can share them here and you can share them on the wonderful community that we have around us either on the facebook group or you could email us directly at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com and while ukraine has been at the forefront of our minds obviously we but we also wanted to send our love and support to our australian listeners who have been affected by the terrible flooding but how brilliant that you've been able to keep spirits high and as rachel told us 
on the Facebook group. She's this is posted. very funny. It's this very, is very sweet. Funny. Very well funny. Done, I live in Australia, in northern New South Wales, and I think we can safely say we've had the week from hell. You may have seen the news stories of the horrendous flooding. Somehow you have to find the funny things and all the madness, and I think you ladies will appreciate this. As our evacuation orders came in and we had to leave our house with three kids, a cat and a dog, on surfboards and kayaks, I'm yelling at the kids to grab a plastic bag, to throw in a pair of knickers, their phone and a charger. What do I put in my bag? My HRT. There was no way in hell I was leaving without <laughs> it. And thankfully, we were able to get out safely. Well, that is good to hear. You can't go anywhere without your HRT, can you? I heard from friends of mine who are just outside the flood zone um, mm. in Australia. And actually, she said what had been really amazing is that their community had been slightly divided by COVID mm. because they all live quite far apart. And some people were having the vaccine and some people weren't. And she said the flood has actually really brought them all together again. Mm. And they've all been looking after each other. So there is some good things coming out. And sense of humour never dampened by the flood, which I think is wonderful. Women are terribly resilient. <laughs> aren't they? Yes. And good at seeing the upside. Yeah, exactly. Now on with today's show, because we're going to be focusing on the world of work. And I've been speaking to the fantastic career coach and author Helen Tupper for her advice on some of the dilemmas we're regularly hearing from midlife women about their careers, such as wanting to jack in their job and start something completely new, finding a way to re-engage their enthusiasm for their career or rebuilding confidence after the impact of the pandemic and also coping with the symptoms of menopause at work too. So much going on in midlife, isn't there, mm. for women? Um, it's all part of the midlife reinvention and reflection that many of us go through. And regular listeners will have heard me and Trish talking about how we pivoted. I think that's the word they use, mm. our, our careers, how everything's changed for us and our sense of identity has changed with that. And talking of menopause at work and perimenopause at work, I'm delighted to say that today our special guest is the Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan. That's a man. We haven't had one of those on the show, have we, for a long time? <laughs> not for a while, not for a while. Where have they been hiding? But we are impressed to see him taking initiative and introducing a workplace menopause policy at City Hall in order to make the working life of midlife women better. So we're going to be asking him all about that and how to get men talking about the menopause, because that's really important important. We are going to ask him about what life is like in the Khan household with his wife of 28 years, Sadia Khan, and his two daughters. Did you know he is Wandsworth born and bred my stamping ground? I often spot them in the park with their lovely doggy. So I'm looking forward to meeting him in real life. You South Londoners, you really do stick together, don't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he was always quite a fan of my parenting column in the Sunday Times. And he once sent me a really completely unprompted, a really nice note about Aww. it. And I think we often met him, Trish, at like yes. Fashion Week, didn't we, mm. as well? So do you know what this goes to show? That our podcast tackles the parts, all the parts of midlife women's life. Yes. I mean, Guests have covered everything from mega beauty influencers, soap stars, Hollywood A-listers, remember Elizabeth oh, yes. world famous surgeons, the wonderful Professor Michael Baum, right the way through to the corridors of power with the mayor and even our lovely Carolyn Harris MP. Yes, indeed they do. Maybe one day people will be name dropping us. Don't what do you think? Silly, Trish, <laughs> I can't imagine that happening. Shall we get on with it and do what we do best, which is chat about something useful? Today, we've got an extra special guest on the show. Trish and I are chuffed to announce Sadiq Khan, the Mayor of London, is here to talk about how he plans to improve the lives of working women experiencing the symptoms of menopause and perimenopause. Last year, a survey revealed that 99% of women felt their menopause experience had had a negative impact on their careers. More than a third described the impact as significant. One in five women said they passed on a chance to apply for promotion they would otherwise have gone for. Almost 60% had taken time off with symptoms and almost 20% were off for more than eight weeks. More shockingly, a survey for World Menopause Day 2021 showed a quarter of women leave their jobs and revealed a chronic lack of support by employers. So we know the menopause and the years leading up to it are challenging an army of skilled women at work, but times are changing. And Sadiq is here to explain his new policy to support the women employed by City Hall. The mayor, 51, who calls himself a proud feminist, has been married to solicitor Sadia for 28 years 
is dad to two daughters aged 20 and 22, uncle to 12 nieces and extremely close to his mum, Saren, and his only sister, Farad. He's actually one of seven brothers, too. The former human rights lawyer, who has been the capital's mayor for six years, will be chatting to us about why he decided to highlight menopause in the workplace and how the women in his life at home and work have helped him understand the best way of doing this. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife, Sadiq. It's a pleasure to be on. Lovely to see you and uh, Trish. And also great to be speaking to you and to your fantastic listeners too. Thank you for taking the time because I know it's a busy day. So tell us what you are proposing for the women in midlife at City Hall um, and how you're going to bust this taboo of us talking about the menopause and perimenopause. Well, one of the things is I've got to have the humility to uh, recognise that I'm learning all the time. And as, as a leader, as an employer, as somebody who manages uh, people, I recognise the obvious point. Half our population uh, are women. And uh, at some stage, they'll go through a natural biological process, uh, the menopause. Uh, and what I want to do is make sure I do the right thing by making sure we have a, a menopause-friendly policy in our place of work. But also, actually, I want to retain talent. I want to make sure our talent can thrive and prosper yeah. By making sure our workplace is inclusive for those of our team who are going through the menopause, the transition. And it's simple things that we can do, Lorraine, if you're an employer, line manager, you work with somebody, is just to learn and educate yourself about the menopause. Women should not feel embarrassed for men because we're embarrassed to talk about the menopause, right? That's not your job to do that. And I think what we need to do is make sure our workplaces are inclusive. So in City Hall, we're making sure all of us know a bit more about the menopause. We're making sure there are drop-in sessions for those women who may be at pre-menopause or going through the menopause. We're also making sure line managers know how to make sure that there is workplace adjustments to make sure there's suitable support, make sure that the temperature can be changed if it needs to for the team that want to have it changed, making sure that staff who want to have breaks can do so, making sure staff who want to need to take time off to see the doctor can do so. And by the way, put aside for a second the altruistic reasons, actually it will lead to the staff here be more yes. productive. So it makes it's a no-brainer to me. And are you finding that the men you're talking to within City Hall, are they kind of comfortable with this conversation? Because... I think for us, and, and certainly the men we know in our lives, they, they don't know a lot about, about it. We are educating our friends, our brothers, our husbands, etc. But it can be a difficult conversation. How is that panning out? But my generation of men has got to be the generation that gets it and understands the importance of, uh, you know, girls, women having periods, women going through the menopause. And what I'm hoping is by City Hall, we spent a lot of time consulting our staff, consulting the trade unions, working with them, taking them with us on this uh, journey, uh, which enables us to launch this policy uh, today. Clearly, the more knowledgeable we are, the less ignorant we are, the better we can be as colleagues, as managers, as subordinates, and so forth. And I want other employers and organisations across the city and across the country to realise there's something in it for all of us by having a workplace that's menopause friendly. And so the good news is we're speaking to other employers. We have, during the course of this process, uh, made sure we've got specialist menopause advice. One of the things we discovered in the conversations we had is many women don't feel confident going to their GP asking the questions. So we're also going to signpost staff to expert advice as well. And, you know, this can't just be a women-only issue. This can't just be a subgroup of women on the issue of a certain age. It's got to be all of us understand. Look, this is an occupational health issue, right? This is a yeah. health issue. And I think that's the way we've got to be sensible about it. And I think genuinely, if we want to continue to be the most progressive city in the world, we've got to be setting the tone and making sure that we lead and others follow. So say I'm a senior woman at City Hall and I'm having severe symptoms, perimenopause symptoms, it's affecting my work. But I don't want to say out loud that I am somehow not as great as I could be. I'm not as skilled, that I'm in a, in a weaker place. You know, I, and, and I don't want to be offered a crying room or someone to say, I'm going to put a fan on your desk. I'm not going to highlight I'm going through this because, you know, my younger colleagues will then seem more ambitious and, and my male colleagues will seem easier to deal with. How do you get that across? Because that's the issue, I think, for a lot of women. They don't want to be seen as weak at this stage of life. Well, well firstly, we've got to get rid of uh, the stigma, the embarrassment, the taboo of a number of things that can affect our performance. Let me give you an example about me. So during the pandemic, I was suffering mental ill health and it was affecting my performance and mm. I didn't have my mojo. I first wasn't trying to recognize it as a problem. And then I did and I talked about it. 
And uh, the support I got was humongous. I mean, from inside and outside. And I want to create culture in City Hall where people can talk about whatever issue they're going through, right? That's that's the first thing. So I want want you to have the confidence to be able to talk about it. You may not want to talk about it to all and sundry, that's fine. So we're providing a number of ways to help you. There's there's a helpline, there's the support uh, uh, that the Women's Network can give you. We're having drop-in sessions. We're also providing you with information that you may not have because you may not have a colleague, a friend, a family member who's been through this. And so we're making sure we give you the assistance and help that we'd give for any other occupational health issue, any other health issue as well. And the idea, uh, Lorraine, is to create an environment where people aren't embarrassed to talk about this. That must include men, right? Because if you yeah. if you if you work in City Hall and uh, you, you haven't got a, a line manager or a senior colleague that's a woman and it's a bloke, often, and this is upsetting for me, but often the woman is embarrassed for the man to talk about it. And so it's the M word or there's whispers, you know, uh, we want to get rid of that sort of environment. Of course, if you want to keep your privacy, not talk about it, you can do so. But the key thing is to provide a suitable, uh, give you the suitable support you need and to make the environment uh, conducive yeah. to you thrive. But also, Lorraine, the heartbreaking thing for me also was, are this amazing stat, independent stat, uh, a million women are thinking of leaving their job because they're going through the menopause. Well, a quarter do leave their job. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a kind of shocking point. They'd rather leave than stay and mm-hmm. highlight what they're going through. Or they'll take time off sick, inverted commas, right? But, you know, yeah. because they don't want to say it's because I'm going through, you know, perimenopause, the menopause, or, you know, or, or whatever state mm-hmm. may be. And it's really important, though. And by the way, you can actually, you know, if, if all the other discussions and arguments don't work, there's an economic case, right? Mm-hmm. Why would you have a situation where, you know, some of your most talented team, your talented staff um, are thinking about leaving or leaving or not able to be as productive because they're going through the menopause? So actually there's a, there's a, there's a, it affects productivity as well. And if you're yeah. a good employer and you want to be productive, you want to make sure there's an environment so your staff can perform. So, I mean, we really applaud all these kind of workplace changes and these initiatives and and getting the conversation out there. But from, you know, having presented this show for two years, we know one of the biggest barriers for women in perimenopause is actually getting the right help from their GPs. We all know the stats that most are prescribed incorrectly. They're prescribed antidepressants. They're not being given HRT. GPs just probably aren't as educated as they need to be. Is there anything that you can do as Mayor of London or from City Hall to kind of change that? situation yeah a couple of things we're doing so internally we're making sure that there is good advice for our team so they know what questions to ask their gp and what to raise and also to challenge uh mm-hmm. the GP. what we don't want is a, is, is a situation where people are deferential yeah. towards, uh, medical advice that could be bad that's number one number two uh, my health advisor is a gp dr tom coffee he's working with gps across london to make right. sure there's better uh, advice but also to encourage people to come forward. Uh, one of the things I worry about is you know, women suffering in silence, not asking the questions, not raising the issue. I mean, when you when you see people like Lorraine Kelly, one of the most confident, articulate yeah. uh, women you know, of my generation, saying she herself was misdiagnosed, didn't talk about it uh, until she's got a mate uh, who works in the show who's a GP who gave her the prescription for a HRT. And that, that's Lorraine Kelly. Imagine across our society, mm. how many other women are getting the right assistance and the right uh, advice. And we know, sorry, I, I'm learning all the time, but I, I've now discovered how transformative it can be for yes. women who get the right advice and get the right medication and get the right support. Uh, and that's why it's so important. Mm-hmm. So did you talk to female colleagues, um, family about what women go through? Because, you know, I know, we know because we've had so many guests on the show whose partners, and husbands and, and male colleagues were kind of mystified by what they were talking about. Did you personally talk to the women around you at work? Well, so I, I'm somebody who's, you know, got six brothers and a sister, but I went to an all-boys school, right? So, but, uh, but I'm fortunate. I've got two daughters, a strong wife, lots of my mates are women. And I'm of the age now where some of my best mates who are women are, you know, going through the menopause or yeah. perimenopause and so forth. And we talk about stuff, you know. We, you know, I like to think, you know, I'm broad-minded and I'm open. I can talk about things. You know, I'm squeamish um, and I'm learning all the time. Uh, but also without being pompous, I'm in a privileged position because I'm in a position of power and influence. Uh, I can influence policy across our city and hopefully across the country and elsewhere. Yeah. And I've got a platform and it was actually, you know, and I've got skin in the game, right? Uh, for obvious yeah. reasons, because of, of my family. Um, and so 
there, there was a, it was a slow period where I was listening to these conversations. And I tell you this, by the way, if men got the menopause, I tell you this, it'd be a different conversation. Right? Don't start me on that. <laughs> no, when, I, when, I, when, I was a, when I was a baby lawyer, I had a boarding injury and the adjustments made in my place of work for me to have a, a stall to, to rest my foot. And I was, you know, I was fee earning every minute counts. And that's, and I'm a bloke with a sports injury, right? And I just think yeah. about, you know, people who have uh, miscarriages around. Uh, uh, yeah, know, it's just women at work who go through these things in yeah. life. Yeah. And, menopause, and the reason why menopause is had more of an impact on me recently is because the women around me are in senior positions of a certain age and they should feel confident to talk about these issues, right? Because A, they're in senior positions. And what upsets me is women in senior positions are nervous to talk about this, talk about it in whispers. What about those women? Or going through the menopause, who are in junior positions, haven't got a sympathetic employee and stuff. That's why it's so important. And it's, yeah. you've got to have allyship here, by the way. I mean, you know, it's great that you and Trish talk about this, you know, and, you know, it's really important that other women are talking about this, but men have got to talk about it. If for no other reason, because often, unfortunately, most line managers, most managers, uh, most employers are men. And it's really important that we explain, yeah. you know, as a bloke to other blokes, this is an important issue. You can have a menopause-friendly policy at work. It won't hamper your productivity. It won't affect the ability of your business or your place of work to be successful. It's a win-win. Well, it's about a more equal uh, working environment anyway, isn't it? Now, you've got two daughters, haven't you? They're in their 20s. 22 um, and 20, yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're, a, you're a midlife dad and you've got midlife mum, so it's a busy time for everybody. How, how has your midlife with the girls been? I mean, are they super proud of you or do they think you're a fool like all our teenage daughters think we are at this stage? So I mean, my, my wife has told my daughters that I was dad dancing before they were born. Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> but so the, the, the best conversation in relation to dancing is we, I know Ed Balls and Yvette pretty well. And when Ed was on Strictly Come Dancing, my daughters made me promise I would never dance <laughs> in public, let alone go on a Strictly. I'm allowed to sing in the, you know, uh, in the kitchen, but you won't, I'm afraid uh, unless my daughters change their mind, uh, see me on Mars Singer. Um, <laughs> Alan Johnson did that. And so, yes, yeah, so they're like ordinary girls who think their dad's embarrassing when they were teenagers. And now they're women. They still think the dads are embarrassing. Yeah, they, they, they keep my feet firmly in the ground. <laughs> They've got a hotline to, to the power, though, haven't they, if they need things changed from a feminist point of view? Well, yeah, I'm just being serious for a second. I mean, look, just another example of my daughter's experiences, right, versus mine and my wife's, and, and, and you'll know this, and apologies if it sounds like I'm mansplaining, but when I go on the tube, my experience is different to yours. Right? Yeah. When I go on the tube, a busy tube, busy bus, it's very different from my daughter's. And so it's really important for people in positions of power and influence to listen to what people are saying. And so one of the reasons why I feel so passionately about safety of women in relation to just public transport, issues around upskirting, issues around violence against women and girls. If I'm honest and I was psychoanalyzing myself, it's because I'm the father of two daughters, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, so, and they remind me on a regular basis some of the things they have to do that I didn't have to do as a young man slash boy growing up in the very same city, in a very similar area to what they grew up in. And that's sort of, that keeping it real is really important in my job, but also as a dad in relation to some of the challenges that girls and women go through that boys and men don't. Mm. Yeah. Now, midlife, we talk about beyond, obviously, perimenopause, we talk about all sorts of things to do with midlife on this programme. And one of them is the sort of the idea that you're probably at peak career, right? You and your partner are likely to be at peak career. You've got it all going on. It's never been more busy. You've got ageing parents, you've got kids, all of that. How do you guys make it work in the Khan household? I mean, who's putting the bins out? I mean, just those day-to-day things of, you know, creating a successful marriage and a successful partnership at what is probably peak 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 stress busy life stage my wife's life she's she's a lawyer she's also um, a lecturer she also runs a a law center Uh, she's a volunteer at Samaritans and she's a mum and so forth and she's also looking after an older mum and so forth so is you think my life's busy and it is her life is incredibly busy as well the most important thing we've learned is communication you've got to be able to talk to each other Often it might just be a text during the day just, just to know what each other's doing, but also you're, you've got open channels. When the kids were younger, we used to always allow our kids 
have a right of appeal. We both believe in human rights. <laughs> they, went, they went to mum something, and she said no. She said you've got a right of appeal. There were some things there was no right of appeal. By the way, but if, if we're not communicating with each other, that could often lead to catastrophic consequences, right? Mm, yeah. You know, and so that communication is really important when you're a parent, but also to you know keep the romance alive, to, to keep the mm. quality of the relationship you know going, so forth. So you know you've got to make time for date nights. There are some things we'll watch together as a couple, you know, on TV and stuff. And so you've got to invest that time as well. But the most important thing I've learned is things get tricksy when there's not comms, when you're not communicating mm. with It's really important to do so. How do you deal with the stress of your lives then? How do you relax? Um, I mean, it, you know, you say you went through mental health issues during the pandemic. It is, was a really stressful, overwhelming time. What did you learn about relaxing then as a man in midlife? For me, exercise is important. Uh, right, so I, yeah. uh, I stopped playing my Sunday morning football with my mates. Uh, that was important. Uh, going for a run, playing tennis. So for me, exercise is a really good way to keep my resilience, physical and mental. That's really important. Secondly, I'm a social being. I enjoy going out. I didn't realise how much I needed until the pandemic from gigs to the theatre to senior mates to going out for a meal. I can't work from home. You know, I can do it once in a while. I need to be seeing colleagues at work. I bounce off ideas. The energy you get from using the tube and seeing people probably learn more about myself during the pandemic than in you know many, many years yeah. prior to that. And I think all of us have had this sort of discovering what matters, what doesn't matter, mm. what makes us tick and so forth. And the key thing is, Lorraine, we talk about physical fitness and, you know, Trish, you probably understand physical fitness, but actually what about mental fitness? How, how much work do we put in to stay mentally resilient and stuff? And I learned a lot during the pandemic, but, you know, uh, as a couple, we were cognizant. My wife also does exercise. We've got a dog, so we go for walks. And I, I didn't realize what a game changer having a dog was because mm, yeah. the previous world before Luna, there could be a day we're feeling lazy, we'd stay in. We have to walk Luna, right? We've got to take her out, breathe fresh air. We see the nature. We spend quality time together. And so you can you can do things that aren't onerous that lead to a better quality of life. Yeah. And so you must have celebrated your 50th during lockdown then how do you feel about getting older because I keep doing the death maths and I'm slightly worried I haven't got enough time to win an Olympic medal and do all that stuff Chris Lorraine I think you're both (laughs) both days during the pandemic don't count (laughs) (laughs) being serious I'm probably fitter now than I've been for a long time I'm happier now than I've been for a long time you know the kids are at a great age they're healthy and they're happy and you've got to be philosophical about this and stuff there's a great line which somebody once said about somebody I know he had a great future behind him we both live in london i'm born in london bred in london lorraine you've lived here for most of your life we love our city we have people from all over the world actually listening into this podcast so we want you to do a bit of a sales job on london encouraging them all to come to the city people as far apart as mexico bahrain all over the place so give us some of your best recommends then a romantic night out where would you take your wife depends on your budget and how much time you've got we love and we still love going for a walk in the south bank starting at the yeah. south part of it walking all the way up there's some great restaurants in borough market great gigs national theater as well queen elizabeth hall is a fantastic venue one of the best plays i saw there was actually deep blue sea helen mccrory passed mm. unfortunately, a couple of I years i saw that yeah they play and so yeah we, we love the south bank at night time particularly it's gorgeous and we now have bridges lit up a great project uh, done by hannah rothschild where she got an artist from you know san francisco in america and all our bridges at night time look just gorgeous mm. and so you can't okay. keep that <laughs> What about a dog walk then? Where, where's your favourite lunar walk? So all our parks are great. I mean, our local commons are great, of course, but, you know, a great park for just for people watching is Hyde Park. We love Hyde mm-hmm. Park. The trick though with Hyde Park is keep Luna on the lead. Yeah. <laughs> no confidence will come back. And I'm, I don't want to be the guy that explains to the doors what, what, what happened to Luna. So keep your dog on the lead. Uh, but Hyde Park is great. And you can also forget people watch. You can celebrity watch. There's always, mm. I challenge you to go for a long walk in Hyde Park and not see somebody famous. <laughs> um, there's so much to do from the serpentine you can have lunch there you can have a picnic if you want we've often uh, gone to this is just just me uh, you know i'm terribly embarrassed to say this but i'll, I'll tell you because it's just the three of us talking we've <laughs> often gone to the, the food court in harrods got some nice food from there and then gone to Hyde park and a nice picnic it's just gorgeous uh and so you know it's, it's a really great day out uh, if it's a sunday you've got speaker's corner by the marble mm-hmm. arch and uh, if you're feeling fit, you can you can you know hire a boat. But also, I've got the privilege every summer. Uh, Mike Bloomberg, uh, the, uh, the the former mayor of the second greatest city in the world, 
<laughs> he, has the, he has the serpentine. Uh, he has a launch every summer of his summer party in Hyde Park, but uh, he's a big uh, patron of Serpentine Gallery. And so there's great, great art uh, on display at the Serpentine Gallery. And uh, and in the summer, of course, you've got the British Summertime concert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw yeah. I saw Lana Ritchie, amazing, the killers. And, uh, Some dad dancing there. Proper dad dancing there. <laughs> Where would you recommend for kids and teenagers? Depends on their age. So, so my girls and I spend a lot of time there at university now. Well, the oldest has finished university, she's working, but we spent a lot of time at vintage shops in Brick Lane. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There's a great record shop there as well. You can't be Brick Lane for vintage shopping. I spent a lot of time in Carnaby Street and Covent Garden shopping. I know the different types of women's jeans, the different shapes. <laughs> it's very complicated. Yeah. I spent too long queuing outside Brandy Melville. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You've done the full teen experience. Um, yeah, I've, I've got the T-shirt. There's so much to in London in relation to the nightlife is great. I mean, the great thing about the music scene in London, you can, joking apart, you can go and watch a gig with your daughters or your children and, and, still, and there's a taste for, for both of you. Mm. Last summer, we went to watch uh, London Grammar, London East. This, this summer, there's great gigs taking place. Uh, as well, my daughters went to see without me. I hasten to add Dave at the O2, but there's right. always something going on. And so you can do lots intergenerational as well, and it's great. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on Postcards from Midlife. Thank you for listening to women in midlife at work, because it is the kind, it is shocking what has been happening, but uh, things are changing and it's all changing for the better. And we do need the men in our lives and the men in power to listen to us. So thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Nice seeing you both. And great talking. 
Great. So I think we should start our useful section here with a dilemma from our Facebook group. And actually, one of these, you know, it really sort of saddened me to read this because I think one of the things that happens in midlife is women lose their confidence. So mm. that makes them question their careers. They lose their confidence because of the anxiety um, around menopause and perimenopause. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a mental thing. And if you're not on HRT, it can really affect you. I think it's been made a lot worse by the pandemic as mm. well. And it does stop us going through things like promotions and we know that from the from the statistics as well women yeah. don't go for promotions in, in midlife because they aren't confident enough and then we don't challenge and we don't stretch ourselves so we're not sure what we want to do next now we heard a story about a woman who'd accepted a job and then thought she couldn't face the one day a week commute to the new office she was nervous about the commute and she thought she might be better off writing her career off at 49 which is a very sad thing mm. um, to read so what would Helen say to a listener in that kind of situation yeah. well her first piece of advice was to to acknowledge that everyone has these what she calls confidence gremlins which are limiting beliefs that hold us back um you know you could call it imposter syndrome it it can strike you at any age you Mm. can think oh you know when you're young I'm too young for this job when you're older I'm too old for this job and it can be triggered by anything and you're not alone it's completely normal first things first but how do you get unstuck from this um well she sort of advised this coaching approach which is to do some mental time travel look back at when you have been really happy in an office and maybe maybe start writing a list of what what it gave you what did you enjoy about it what kind of skills what did you learn and because you've demonized this thing about being in the office because I think this woman's been working from home since the pandemic was able to do four days of the job at home and one day in town she's kind of demonized being in the office so she has to try to reconnect with what it used to mean good things good things in a positive way and then it's also about looking forwards as well she calls this learning forwards which I like the sounds of and what opportunities for learning and growth could this opportunity bring you in the future personally professionally so it's trying to kind of skip ahead of the, yeah, the actual yeah. you know going in on the first day maybe the not overthinking it quite yes, as much exactly as, as that. Yeah. and it's obviously yeah. meeting new people and you know at the moment I think the issue about being at home is you're not connecting with people who might be in the same mindset as you, the, might, the same mind mm, frame. Mm. So she might go in there and find other women who are, you know, that she really connects with and who are going to be experiencing the same thing. And she can just start to create a really good personal support system. So it's reframing your thinking. Again, writing off my career at 49, that is a thinking trap. Yeah, we feel a bit diminished, don't we? So, And a a bit of the narrative is I am too old at 49 as well, isn't there? Which is sort of in the back of our minds. Yeah, so you've got to get rid of that thinking trap and give yourself positive prompts that kind of, what opportunities can this bring me? Will it help me redesign my career? What works for the me that I am now? Mm -hmm. So I thought that was quite good. Yeah, and I think certainty and knowing exactly Mm. what's going to happen is very safe and you feel very Mm. safe uncertainty makes women feel very well everyone feel very unsafe but I think one has to accept there is always going to be a bit of not knowing in these situations and just take it minute by minute now next up this is an interesting one is it how do I go about finding a new career that I might like I have no idea where to start and have I left it too late at 50 I've just remembered the lady who was a statistician friend of mine statistician statistician and you took up puppy fostering (gasps) she was a statistician ran a business doing statistics and working out what they meant I don't really know what that means um and started to take in puppies and then had a house full of them and then realized that was actually a thing she really loved doing that was her new career what would Helen say then about new careers and what what do you like Helen did this herself because she used to be a marketing director at at Microsoft um but she started kind of a a career coaching on the side as a little side hustle because it was something she enjoyed and when the opportunity came up for the next step on the ladder quite a big promotion she just kind of realized that actually she didn't want to be in corporate life anymore and this side hustle she was doing was the thing that she wanted and she'd saved enough money from that she hadn't spent any of the money she'd earned from the side hustle and that gave her breathing space of about six to nine months to try something new which is her advice for anybody who maybe is stepping out of a you know corporate career into doing their own business but she says in terms of working out what you want to do next you have to think about your 
pivot possibilities. We've said pivot a couple of times, haven't we? I think it's one of the words. <laughs> it's the word. One of the buzzwords. Exactly. And obviously you can pivot like 10 degrees or you can pivot 360 degrees. Yes, do a like really dancing. big change. Yes. And obviously think you of can... it in terms of ballroom dancing. Exactly. So you can do the same thing in the same area. So what you're yeah. doing now, but just change. You can do the same thing in a new area. So you can go into a brand new organization. Yeah. You can do a new thing in the same area. So maybe in the company that you're in, is there an opportunity for sidestepping? Um, this is what uh, Helen refers to as a squiggle when you go sideways and squiggle. you go sort of uh, squiggling. Or you can do a new thing in a new area, which is a big change. That is quite That's a big change. Scary, it's it? a bit yeah. scary yeah. and it's into the unknown and it's quite difficult to do. And it might involve studying again, retraining, like your yeah. friend who's in America doing climate yeah. change. So you need to think, she says, if you're going for that big change, the important thing is you've got to start repositioning yourself very quickly too because otherwise people will think this is totally random why are you why have you yes. gone from being an accountant to running a food business what is this Lorraine want to be a gymnast all exactly. of a sudden or yeah. your friend a statistician to a puppy puppy fostering puppy or a puppy fostering. rearing business but it's like dipping your toe in the water and starting right. to connect with networks and communities in the area that you want to get into so you start so establishing yourself yeah so it's believable and then it yeah. helps you believe it that it's something yeah. that's possible as well rather than just suddenly going off and thinking right I'm going to go and do that so you have to look at your support systems the people surrounding you are they going to encourage you are they going to challenge you help you build your belief and finding a mentor in the area that you want to go into is really important as well I think sometimes the roadmap is not visible for us at this mm. age. We, we've been sold ambition. So the next step mm. is the next step is the next step. And when we step aside from that, then we can't really see what we should be doing next. So we, this huge transformation might be available. We haven't quite seen the roadmap. So I think, yeah, if you start to identify yourself as it before you do it, that's yes, quite helpful. Yes, believe that you are this person. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's very good advice. Now, our third midlife career dilemma is feeling like you're trapped. Uh-oh. Mm. If you've been in a job a long time, and you feel bored and unenthusiastic, is our producer looking at us now, wondering how much longer she can go? <laughs> <laughs> trapped on postcards from midlife. <laughs> but you feel trapped and you can't leave because obviously financially, the benefits, the pension. Do you wait this out or do you plan an escape? I mean, this oh. is the tricky situation. Isn't it, it is, isn't it? And Helen said that um, the best thing to do is to look at this uh, guy called Daniel Pink, who has this uh, motivation theory. So she, she, she's kind What's of a motivation advocate theory, of that. Well, there's three steps to it. First of all, your purpose. Can you reconnect to the why behind the work that you're doing? Even if it is, I'm waiting for a pension to kick in so I can go out yes. travelling or I'm waiting for a big payout. Yes, maybe focus on the travelling. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you can focus on the why. It doesn't have to be a noble reason. It can just be, if I wait this out, this is going to give me this. And that should kind of reframe yeah. your thinking around the day to day because you need that emotional connection with work or it can just feel very transactional, which is a bit soul destroying. And yeah. um, the second in the motivation theory is mastery. So it's about skills and, and improving your skills will help you get more engaged. So is there something new you can learn? Is there something you can be putting in place now that you can be using in five years time when you do want to do yeah. whatever's next or you can escape so if you feel like you're improving for the future that might be something you're doing on the side you know you might be doing like a, a side hustle can't, a side can't, hustle they can't or just they, you know emphasize the importance exactly. of side hustles this is where we are with our own very exactly side or hustle, learning new something life. new on the side might yeah. help keep your motivation yeah. in your currently unenthusiastic and boring job and then the the third thing in this motivation theory is autonomy and that is about is there a, a way to make work work for me in a more productive, yeah. more happy way? So, like, can you redesign how you work? Could you take a blank sheet of paper and write down what would make this job better for you? So really, the autonomy is about the power that you have in the situation. What power do you have in the workspace and how can you make it work for you? And, and you know, in terms of doing things outside of work that will give you more why, could you become a trustee of a charity? Yeah. All of those kind of things. I think it's about if you can't change it, then you need to change your attitude to it. Mm-hmm. That's, it's one of those things. And also knowing that 
transformation, and Rachel Schofield told us this when she came on the show, the um, career coach, the transformation isn't really just about the destination. It's about the journey as well. So you might not get a rebirth, but you might get lots of little revelations as you move along in your job that you want to stay in that that change the way you think. Our final dilemma is a midlife one. Trish, you and I have gone through Mm -hmm. this. You do get to a stage where you just can't put up the crap anymore at work. (laughs) (laughs) You can't do the office (laughs) politics um, and you just can't deal with the dynamics that many workplaces um, have around them. And a lot of it will have changed since lockdown. There's this hybrid way of working. So how do you deal with difficult people? Perhaps you might be in a perimenopausal rage yourself. How do, what does Helen say about that? Yes. Would you just lock them all up? (laughs) How would you deal with the difficult people? It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because one of the joys of getting to midlife is just not caring anymore about and you just yes. don't want to do it but if you're in a, in a workplace where you have to deal with these people what do you do so she says you have to focus on what you can change and it is important to give feedback rather than internalizing it because if you're just going around you know with this these thoughts going through your head you oh, everyone gets my feedback in a work so you have to prepare yourself for a difficult conversation and yep. to do that you need to give yourself a framework to help give yourself clarity and articulation and she uses the acronym is coin as in money c-o-i-n so c is the context so what is the context that is creating this difficulty like people are working from home you're coming into the office it's not motivating so that's your context your observations you then need to be very specific about what you've observed so i've observed that everybody in the kitchen is moaning about the fact that or this you know these people are being negative about this whatever your observations Trish then, can't stop talking about her cat, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would drive yeah. nuts. I've impact. I is for impact. So what is the impact that this is having on you? So you can say, I'm feeling that everything is making me feel negative. I don't have any energy. I'm not feeling positive about spending time right. here. Then your N is for need. It's like what I need to happen to be here and feel energized and create a positive working space. Okay. And yes. then the final thing find your radiators who are they who are they they are the people in the office that you love that you get on with and they offset the drainers so you're just spending a bit more time (laughs) around the kind of positive energy and less around the negative energy and she said if all of that you do all of that um and nothing changes nothing happens uh you probably have to move (laughs) it might be time to move so there's only so much attitude one can change yes exactly Well, those are some very good tips. Um, We'll put a few things on the Facebook group for everybody to look at. Uh, I've written coin down, Trish, Mm -hmm. for our next, uh, should you annoy me? Because we are just a staff of two in our corporate world, aren't we? Mm -hmm. Um, I was musing on uh, jobs I would be very bad at should I change my job. Oh, okay, go on. I thought you could do quite a good list of jobs I would be bad at. Driving instructor, I'd be terrible <laughs> at that. Wouldn't I? I'm you in can't the top see five anything. worst yes. drivers in the world. Mm-hmm. IT support, I thought both of us would be quite bad at <gasps> oh, that. Oh no, that you. would be dreadful, yes. And then my daughter said to me that I would be the worst job I could ever do, butterfly house at the zoo. What, what running the butterfly house? I'm terrified of butterflies. <laughs> She remembered that out of the blue. She remembered that when I went in the butterfly house, I wasn't quite aware of how bad my phobia was until I was in there. And I thought they'd all be behind a screen and they weren't. They were flying. They were flying. Well, that's the idea. They fly around she, you. She had to put her jumper over my head and oh, take me out. So that would be a job I couldn't do. Are there oh, any jobs dear. that you couldn't do, Trish? Oh, my goodness. I think I don't think I could be an accountant. I had a meeting with an accountant the other day <laughs> and I literally <laughs> didn't understand a word of it. And I was like, God, I'm going to have to break this down. I'm going to have to break this down because I don't understand it. So no accountant. anything to do with numbers please right okay well thank you for all of your advice um helen um we hope that that will avert a few career crises as uh, going on midlife career crisis we don't want to lose any brilliant women from the workforce and you can find more strategies for coping with challenges and getting what you want from your career in helen tupper's books the squiggly career and you coach you young trisha Mm-hmm. Where have you been back in time? What's the TARDIS taking oh, you to? Well, the TARDIS is taking me to that time when you used to think, well, just pop up the shop and buy something. And then the shop was closed because it was half oh. day closing. <laughs> 
can't remember that. What? Shops used to close for half. Oh, now you can buy you? anything. You can wake up at three in the morning. Oh my goodness! Well, you can anything. just go online and get someone to pop on a bike to you. I don't like the idea of that. You know, all those those in Weybridge of... in Cornwall. <gasps> yeah, where I am from. Uh, they do half day closing on a Wednesday still. They still do it. They do even in the summer oh. when they could be. You know. Back in the dark Oining ages. it in. Back <laughs> in the dark shops. ages. When many shops shut oh. on a Wednesday. Well, do you know when that all mm. stopped? And I think it was when Sunday Trading came in. Guess that year. Oh, Sunday Trading. Mm, 1987. Oh, no. Seven years out. 1994. 1994. But obviously, I think councils were allowed to let shops open. But what a weird thing. It's very quaint. And but do you know the a fascinating fact? Porter's Head, you know, the fabulous band, Porter's yes. Head. They and place in Wales. And place in, is it Wales, Wales or is it Bristol? Near Bristol. I don't know. I think don't it's ask Bristol. me. I only went to a it's few Bristol. lessons at Bristol. Yes. <laughs> you can't do them. Your you're not allowed geography. because you're, you're not from the West oh, Country. Oh, I see. You're not allowed okay, to do the West it. Country. Okay. Anyway, they have a song called Half Day Closing, if anybody is even remotely interested. Love, love bit of porter's head that's yeah. good all right enough of that where have you been noodling to swimming not no that's always it's back in the day though, you and the i've gone swimming. all the way back to yes. uh, sunday swimming with oh, my yes. dad one of Aww. the little things well actually i've what i've done is i've nostalgia noodle to rituals okay things that you do because you do them but not that you you might not like them but you still mm. do them mm. so i used to go swimming at this not the world's cleanest pool um, in my <laughs> tiny hometown. And afterwards, it was also freezing cold. Afterwards, before we went home, because you, you would have that time with one of your parents. It's yes. very special because you don't get it because, you you know, when there's two of you, sometimes you just don't have that time together. So it was a good time with my dad. And we used to go on his motorbike. So I used to go on the back of his motorbike. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have to, like, dry my hair or brush my hair or anything because I didn't really care about any of that. You mm-hmm. know, if your mum takes you swimming, you have to actually brush your hair and dry yourself properly and everything. I just oh, yes. threw it on. So I'd be freezing cold standing in the foyer and he'd say, let's have some hot chocolate to warm up before we go on the bike. Oh, <laughs> you know those machines, you put your pennies oh, in the, the- Vending machine, get this violently hot, hot chocolate, yes. so hot you could barely touch it, and it was obviously going to take the mm. roof of your mouth off. And I used to have it, even though I loathed it. It was almost oh, un- it was a sort of watery, thin, foul. I yes. think it was about the because I used to do that with my friend when we went swimming, and the most exciting it was press, pressing the buttons on the vending yes. machine. Yes, yes, two p or your ten p, and that was the most exciting. Yeah, thing. so we not the foul tasting, foul tasting, steamy. Mm boiling mm. hot liquid and we both sort of stand there drinking it <laughs> oh. down oh. it before I then had to get on his freezing oh. cold bike Bless and be him. driven home but yeah he just, just wanted five back. more minutes with you didn't he yes oh. that brings us to the end of this week's postcards from midlife new episodes are available to listen to every Sunday on your podcast provider and we would really appreciate it if you can make sure to download your episodes so they count on our listener numbers and if you could rate and review us that would be most marvellous please yes and do tell your friends about us we want as many women as possible to join in this midlife conversation which is what our private Facebook group is all about so if you're not a member already please do come on over and join in the chat you can use it to post any feedback on the topics we discuss, as well as suggestions for other things you'd like to hear us talk about, or celebrities you may want us to interview, and experts you'd like us to get on the show. Or you can email us directly at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com or pop a little message on the Instagram. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.